welcome to the High Vibe and Healthy Podcast. My name is Fran Dargaville and I'm a functional nutritionist with a passion for gut health and real food. I'm here to share my take on nutrition and health, answer your questions and chat with leading health and wellness experts and all-round inspiring humans. Enjoy this week's episode and submit your questions at frandargaville.com or via my Instagram, frandargaville. Hello there, friend. I hope you're having an awesome day. In this episode, we're going to be chatting all about food sensitivities. If you have any symptom under the sun, whether it's gut issues or fatigue or skin issues or something else, this podcast is going to be super, super important and helpful for you. So let's start by understanding the difference between food sensitivities, food allergies and food intolerances. The words allergy, intolerance and sensitivity are often used interchangeably, but they're actually different. I'm going to explain the difference between the different types now. And I know it may still seem a little bit confusing, but in this episode, we're really focusing in on food sensitivities. A classic food allergy is exactly what we think of when we think about food allergies, like a peanut or a shellfish allergy. These symptoms appear instantly after eating a certain food and include things like difficulty breathing, rashes, and even anaphylactic shock. This classic food allergy is an IgE allergy, where the immune system produces IgE antibodies in response to a food. The words food intolerances and sensitivities are often used interchangeably, although the word intolerance is generally used in relation to a missing element needed for the digestion of that food. For example, people with lactose intolerance don't have enough lactase, and lactase is the enzyme needed to digest lactose. Now, let's move on to food sensitivities. There are two types of food sensitivities, immune responses and digestive responses. An immune response food sensitivity is where your body identifies a specific food as a foreign invader. And this can manifest as inflammatory symptoms like fatigue or brain fog or joint pain or even low moods. When you develop leaky gut or intestinal permeability, which we've spoken about quite a lot on this podcast, you're actually more susceptible to food sensitivities because food and toxins can more easily cross through the gut lining and into the bloodstream where your immune system can mount an attack. The other type of food sensitivity is a digestive response, and this is where you have a digestive reaction to foods like bloating or diarrhea. You could either have an immune response to a certain food, or you could have a digestive response to a certain food, or you could have both. Either of these responses can be delayed or chronic. So it's not necessarily like you eat that food and have a symptom straight away. You might just feel bloated and tired all the time. And that bloating and fatigue is happening as a result of a food sensitivity. It's a delayed reaction, which means it can be really hard to identify which foods are triggering your symptoms. Now, I know most of you probably have some sort of digestive symptoms since gut health is my specialty. And that's what I'm usually talking about here on the podcast. But what I find is that a lot of people think that because they don't have any digestive symptoms, they don't have food sensitivities. But that's just not the case. You could be having that immune response to foods, which shows up as these nonspecific symptoms like difficulty losing weight, brain fog, fatigue, or skin issues like acne or eczema. 
you could actually have leaky gut or intestinal permeability and have food sensitivities without having any digestive symptoms whatsoever. Interesting, huh? So which foods are the most common food sensitivities? When we talk about the allergic response to foods, eight key foods account for 90% of these allergic reactions, which is pretty crazy, right? This includes milk, eggs, fish, shellfish, peanuts, tree nuts, wheat, and soybeans. So that's that allergic response, a true allergy, but many people have sensitivities to the same foods. Two of the most common foods I see people develop sensitivities to are gluten and dairy. However, you could be sensitive to any food, and that includes healthy foods and even fruit and vegetables, things like spinach or celery. So this might be starting to sound a little bit complicated, right? Now I'm sure you're wondering how you can actually identify these food sensitivities. The gold standard for doing this is with an elimination diet. I generally start with eliminating gluten and dairy, and if you've already tried that and you have IBS symptoms specifically, you could consider a low FODMAP diet. Generally speaking, you'd want to eliminate these foods for at least four weeks. I guide you through this whole elimination process in my High Vibe and Gut Healthy program. You can then reintroduce one food at a time and observe whether it flares up your symptoms. Alternatively, you could consider food sensitivity testing. Now, the science on food sensitivity testing isn't solid. There's still some question on how accurate it is. But I have seen clinically that it really benefits a lot of people and it helps them identify their trigger foods. And the thing is, you can't really identify whether you're reacting to foods unless you have that instantaneous reaction. For example, it's easy enough to avoid gluten and dairy for four weeks, then reintroduce them and figure out if your symptoms return. But it would be extremely complicated to do this process for every single food that you eat. And that's the problem with something like the low FODMAP diet. It can be effective for some people with IBS, but it can also be really complex and overwhelming for people. And often people don't end up seeing it through because of that. Food sensitivity testing identifies IgG antibodies. So this is a different immune response to the IgE allergies that we spoke about before, those typical food allergies. Food sensitivity testing is typically done using a blood test. One question I get asked a lot is, if I figure out my food sensitivities, do I need to give them up forever? The answer is no. In some cases, you may need to avoid some of these foods ongoing, but in most cases... When people are able to improve their digestive function and gut health, they're usually able to reintroduce a lot of these foods, although it could take four to six to 12 months, or maybe even slightly longer or shorter, depending on what you've got going on with your health. This is really important though. Your food sensitivities are not a life sentence, but it doesn't mean that you can just give up these foods for a while and then just reintroduce them without doing anything else. Food sensitivities are not the root cause. There is a reason you're sensitive to these foods. You may have a lack of stomach acid or digestive enzymes. Perhaps your gut-brain connection is a bit off or you're eating in a rush or eating in a stressed out state. You may have something going on in your gut like an overgrowth of bacteria, leaky gut, candida, SIBO, poor gut motility or something else. 
Well, you likely have a combination of some of these different factors, which is what I often see in my clients. So yes, it's important to identify your trigger foods, but it's even more important to identify the root cause of your food sensitivities and address that. If you have gut issues and you were only going to do one functional lab test, I definitely prioritize the GI map gut test over food sensitivity testing because that really helps us identify your root cause. Okay, I hope that makes sense. Address your root cause. And while you do that, identify your trigger foods or food sensitivities because doing that will allow your gut to heal and restore. So, Once you've identified your food sensitivities, you've been avoiding them and you've been doing the deeper work to address the root cause of your symptoms, when can you start to reintroduce those foods? You want to get to a place where these foods don't trigger any symptoms for you. As I mentioned before, this could be three months or six or even 12 months, maybe even slightly longer. It just depends on what's going on for you and the severity of your symptoms. I had a great question on Instagram asking if you can just reintroduce foods that you're reacting to in the hopes that you'll eventually tolerate them. I really wouldn't recommend that. If you're reacting to those foods, that's a sign that they're not working for you right now and you need to continue working on your gut and addressing your root cause. So basically, when you think you're ready to reintroduce a food, Have some of that food two or three times in one day and then observe your symptoms over the next few days. If you don't react to that food, you can reintroduce it and move on to the next food to test. If you do react to the food, you're just not quite ready to reintroduce it yet. As I mentioned before, this can take time. Think about how many months, years or maybe even decades it took you to develop these symptoms and sensitivities in the first place. Healing takes time. Be patient. It's so worthwhile doing it the right way and sticking it out. Now let's wrap up. To recap, you can have a digestive reaction to a food like bloating or gas, or you can have an immune reaction, which is those delayed, non-specific symptoms like fatigue or brain fog. To figure out your food sensitivities, you can use an elimination diet like a gluten-free diet or the low FODMAP diet, Or you can also consider using food sensitivity testing. Now, remember, identifying your food sensitivities is an important part in the healing puzzle. But food sensitivities are not the root cause. And the food itself isn't the problem unless we're talking about ultra processed junk food. It's more about what's going on in your gut and how you're digesting the food. That's typically what's at the root of your food sensitivities. If you want my help to get to the root cause of your food sensitivities, my High Vibe and Gut Healthy self-study course is for you. Head to frandargaville.com forward slash high vibe to learn more and use the code podcast or caps at checkout to save $50 off. I hope you found this helpful. Have an awesome day and I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the High Vibe and Healthy podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to chat with me about how we can work together to reach your health goals, head to frandargaville.com. To connect with me day to day, Instagram is the place to be. Follow me via my handle at frandargaville. And finally, please note that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only 
and are not considered to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment.